I don't know about you. Uh, I, I don't know about Kath getting emotional. I was getting quite emotional. She's recovered already. Look, she's back here in action. And I think uh, literally watching Almas and Adele getting into the water and out of the water, I think that was the perfect picture of the church. I, I love that. Um, uh, please don't mishear what I'm about to say, but I love the fact you didn't try to clean that up. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I get a bit nervous when things are too perfect. Because uh, life's not perfect. Life's messy, awkward, and difficult. E even on our good days, there's a, always a bit of mess, isn't there? And I love the fact today that Kath didn't rush that. She didn't rush Almas. She didn't, okay, right, she's not doing too good. Let's get her in the water before we start so we don't have the awkward moment. But actually, the awkward moment is the, is the faith moment. Isn't it? Come on. Uh, that, that's where faith works. Not, not when everything's lined up and everything's perfect. Faith works when it is awkward, when it is difficult to get up on your feet, when it is difficult to get in the water, when actually, hold on a minute, we've got to slow down and make sure she's breathing before we put her on there. <laughs> and just check she's breathing when we get her out of the water. Come on. That's the church. That's what we're good at. That's, when we do that stuff, we rock. We're outstanding. We're amazing. Uh, because that's where people live. People live in the everyday ordinary and, and challenge and brokenness of life. And the story of the resurrection is for that moment. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, ignore the awkwardness and the brokenness. It doesn't rush the broken. It comes to where the broken are. It, it comes to where we are. And, and we saw literally a, a physical example of the power of the resurrection this morning that that is what the church of Jesus Christ is about. And I was so moved by that. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for making it not just part of the program, but central to what we do. It's not an add-on. This is it. This is what we do. This is why we do it, because we want to see lives changed. And I have been so, so blessed by the whole weekend. Uh, some of you were here on Friday. We had just a beautiful time on Friday. I would just want to say a massive thank you to the team that put it all together. An amazing night. It was an amazing night. Fantastic. Uh, and even today, the work that goes into something like today, it's wonderful. And to, for me as a guest, I know I'm a sort of a friend of Destiny now, uh, or DC, which is the cool way of saying it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, I feel an amazing privilege to be a, a friend of DC uh, it is also an incredible honor to be here at your celebration weekend, not only celebrating the resurrection, but the fact we are 15 years in this building, a building that was once uh, dedicated to a lot of other weird stuff, uh, but today is a, a holy uh, place for God's people to gather together in order to celebrate His goodness and His mercy, and what a beautiful building it is. Isn't this a stunning building? Can I just say, listen, I, I have the privilege of traveling all over the country and sometimes even the privilege of traveling to different parts of the planet. And there are churches in this country would give anything, moral and legal, it has to be, <laughs> but they would give anything to have this facility. They're in, they're in school halls, they're hiring a pub, they're, they're doing this, and as wonderful as all of that is, they have to clean stuff out and do this, and they can't really make it their own. You have, as part of this community, a simply stunning building, uh, and it didn't arrive like this. 
What you're seeing now is a product of love and commitment and investment and hard work and sacrifice, and it's produced something truly, truly stunning. This is a beautiful building, and it says something of where you guys are going. So I want to, I want to commend it all to you. If you're on the fringe of this church, I want to invite you to come and be part of it because it's a great church. If I lived in this area, this would be my church. I would come here. I don't just preach here. I believe in this place. And actually, if, if you are someone that, that maybe you're part of this church, you're not quite sure about the journey going forward. Come on, buy in. Get into this thing so that we can see more Adele's and more Almas's getting in and out of the water. Amen? So that we can see communities transformed by the love and the power of God. Does that make sense? And so, thank you so much for allowing me to be with me. Uh, thank you for looking after my daughter so well over this weekend. She's become a, a, an add-on member of the Harris family. They're probably feeling quite harassed at the moment, but there she is. Uh, and uh, thank you so much. She turns 18 on Tuesday. It's amazing. My, my youngest turns 18 on Tuesday. And it's wonderful to have Dawn with me, my wife. Uh, we've been married almost 31 years together. And uh, it's actually it's her birthday on Tuesday as well. So, uh, yes, almost 18 years ago. I said, what do you want for your birthday? And she did not say a baby. Let me just say, uh, that's, that's not what she said. But she got a baby for her birthday 18 years ago, and that baby is like, uh, there she is on the front row, there we are. She's not a baby anymore, but we're so blessed. I'm so blessed to have my youngest and my wife on the front row. So it's a great, great joy. Listen, it's also my joy to just for a couple of minutes open up the Bible. Is that okay? Uh, our, our, our service is, is uh, will be concluding in a little while, but we love, if you're a guest with us and you've come to support Almas, and Adele, part of what we do here as a community, we love the Bible. And we believe that through the Bible, God still speaks to us today. And so we always give some time to the Bible. Uh, hopefully, it'll be interesting for you. Hopefully, uh, you'll, you'll stay awake for the next few minutes. And, and maybe even some of the things we share may bless you and help you. But we're committed to hearing from the Bible. So that's what we do. So if you've got a Bible with you and you want to follow my reading I'm going to read from a book called Isaiah 54. So it's Isaiah 54. Now, if you're a guest and you've never heard of Isaiah, don't worry about it. You can just listen to me. It's a short reading, and I will read this to you. But if you are a member of the church or maybe a regular follower committed to, to Jesus, then why don't you grab your Bible and read it with me? On Friday night, if you were here, Alma said that when you put your glasses on, it makes you more intelligent. So that's a fact uh, that I am now relishing. Um, so I've got my glasses on. Does, does it work? Okay. All right, John. Some, there's just no hope. All right, then. Keep going. Right, Isaiah 54. And it says this. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you, will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. 
You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of the whole earth. What do you do when God makes a promise to you, but that promise hasn't yet been fulfilled? What do you do in that in-between moment where God says, I'm going to do this for you, but it hasn't quite happened? And actually, I think that when we look at the Bible and when we read the stories that are contained within the Bible, we see that scenario quite a lot. You see God say something, then there's a bit of a space, sometimes a big space, sometimes a big gap, and then God fulfills what he promised to do. In fact, we could sort of think about the resurrection like that. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to die, but I will rise from the dead. And if you read the stories of the death and resurrection of Jesus from the gospel writers, you'll see that actually some interesting behavior takes place from the followers of Jesus in that in-between moment, in between Jesus dying and Jesus rising from the dead. Some of them aren't quite sure what to do. In fact, there's a famous story where two of them leave Jerusalem and are heading back home because they think it's all over. And when Jesus meets them on the road, uh, they say to him, we had hoped that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, in that in-between moment of Jesus saying he would do something and Jesus actually doing that thing, uh, they didn't quite know what to do. It was that in-between moment that made it uh, quite difficult. And the Bible is filled with those sorts of in-between moments. And some of you will know famous examples of that. One of the most famous is a man called Abraham and his wife Sarah. They're given a promise by God that they would have their own child. And 25 years later, they have the baby. That's a bit of a wait, isn't it? That actually we have examples of people like David who became king, was promised that he would be king of the whole nation, but when he became king, he had to wait another seven years to be the king of the whole kingdom. We've, we've had Joseph quoted today by Kath. At 17, he has the dream that, that his, his, his brothers will bow down to him, that his mother and father will bow down to him, that one day he'll rise up to greatness. But actually, it's, it's another probably sort of uh, 17 plus years before that comes to full reality and fulfillment. In fact, when we think of Jesus, the first promise of Jesus coming to redeem the world probably is in Genesis chapter 3. That's what some people think. That's the first reference of Jesus who's going to come eventually and save the world. That, that, that actually that there's a redeemer coming in the light of this terrible moment of sin. And, and if, you, if you count that off, and it's probably about, you know, four, five thousand years later, depending on how you count, that Jesus actually arrives and comes. So, so when you read the Bible properly, what you discover is there are moments when God speaks and then there are moments when God does stuff, but there's often gaps in between. And what I want to say for a few minutes is not so much to us as individuals. I want to speak to Destiny Church, okay? 
So if you're a visitor with us, just stay with me, because hopefully some of this will apply to you as an individual. But I'm not so much speaking to you as an individual. I'm speaking to you out of Isaiah 54 as a community, because I'm looking at 15 years here on the wall, and here's what I'm betting. Here's, here's what I'm fairly confident about. Promises that God has given uh, Jonathan and Kath, even uh, before they entered this building, some of those promises still haven't been fulfilled. And we're 15 years into the gig, right? So, so actually, there are probably, even though we're celebrating 15, and what an amazing achievement that is for this particular community, I'm fairly certain there are things that God has said that still haven't happened. And one of the challenges to all of us is in our journey of faith as individuals, this is where we've really got to come to terms with some of this stuff as a follower of Jesus, and one of our challenges as a community of people is that sometimes we've got to keep going even when God hasn't fulfilled what He promised to fulfill. So He said He would do something, and it hasn't quite happened yet, and it's what we're doing in those moments, in those gaps, that is very, very, very important. I, I'm, learning, I'm learning this more and more even the older I become as a follower of Jesus, that actually it, it's, it's holding on to the promise and behaving in a certain way while I'm waiting for God to fulfill the promise, not, not to get discouraged while I'm waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. But knowing, and we heard it already today, if you were listening carefully, the different elements of this service, if God has spoken, if God has spoken His Word, it's going to come to pass. But the challenge me and you have is, is we're in the middle of this thing, we're just doing ordinary life every day, and we're waiting for God to fulfill this promise. In the passage we read here today, something similar is happening. In fact, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to a group of people that are coming out of, they will eventually emerge out of a terrible period of exile. You might want to say a period of barrenness. But Isaiah is saying there's coming a day when you will have more children than the married woman. And actually, the barrenness will be turned into incredible fruitfulness. And Isaiah is sort of not just pointing forward in Israel's future, he's pointing forward we know by looking at the New Testament, he's pointing forward even to the church's future. And actually, this word, Isaiah 54, technically is fulfilled in us today. And here's what Isaiah is saying. One day, you will have more children than you can count. One day, there won't be a tent big enough to hold you. One day, God is going to do this. But of course, we're reading Isaiah 54 now in the future, looking back, and we're sort of maybe seeing the fulfillment of some of that in that today there are more followers of Jesus on the earth and have lived in the whole history of the world up to this point. So this woman has more children than she ever could have imagined. Millions upon millions, probably billions of followers of Jesus on the earth today. Absolutely incredible. But of course, when the word was spoken, it was for the future. And what does God say to the woman? What's the first thing God says to her in the context of this? What do you do while you're waiting for the word? He says to her, sing. What a strange thing to say. Sing, oh barren woman. That's a very strange thing. And of course, what he's pointing there to is this idea of sing in a way of rejoicing as if what I have just said 
has already happened. Now, we've got to be careful about that because that can make us look a bit weary. If you're singing for something that hasn't yet happened as if it has happened. To people observing that, they could think we've been in the sun too long or we've had too much pizza on a Saturday night or life isn't, isn't maybe lining up the way it should do, okay? So, so we've got to be careful about this because it, it looks a bit strange and it looks a bit weird. What, what are you singing about? I'm singing because I'm going to have lots of children, but at this point, she has no children. She's, she's a barren woman, yet God tells her to sing. Uh, now, I, I, I'm not going to ask you to sing today. I'm not going to get you out and hand you the mic and say, come on, sing. But what I am challenging destiny to do is sing in the confessional sense. So, so the singing here of this woman is a confession of what God will do. So even though he hasn't done it yet, she's going to confess that he not only will do it, but she's going to confess that he is doing it. Now, now all of this is based on what he has said. It's not based on just her clever ideas. It's not just based on her wishful thinking. Her singing is coming out of what he's saying. Are you with me? Now, that's a really important idea because we can't just sing what we want to sing. We've got to sing what he said. Come on. And I've met a lot of that in the church over the years where people have sung their own song and then wondered why God hasn't fulfilled it. They've wondered why God hasn't showed up. They've wondered why God hasn't done it because actually God never gave them permission to sing that song. That's their song. That's their hope. That's their dream. What we're talking about here in Isaiah 54 is learning to sing his song. So, so when he says sing, he's not just saying pick a tune, sing it. He's saying, sing what I've told you to sing. What's he told her to sing? He's told her this. One day, you will have more children than the married woman. One day, you will dispossess nations. One day, you will spread out to the left or the right. So he says, put that tune on and sing it. Sing that. That's what I want you to sing. And what God wants me and you to do, both as individual followers of Jesus and as a community of believers, he wants us to get with his song. Not make up our own song, because that gets us into trouble. But hear what he is saying and sing it. What is God saying to destiny? Then sing it. We might literally sing it. We may literally write songs about it. But we don't just mean sing here this morning in a literal sense. We mean sing in a confessional sense. We haven't quite seen it all yet. We're 15 years into the journey of this building. We haven't quite seen it all, but we are still believing that the things God promised us back here, He's going to fulfill. He's going to do. So here's what we're doing. We're going to shape our confession, and we're going to keep saying the things that we believe God is going to do. And in one sense, we believe God is doing. Are, are, are you with me? Now, now listen, this is a powerful Bible idea. If, if, if this just comes out of my own heart, it's a weird thing. If it comes out of God's heart, it's a life-changing thing. And, and many people uh, are, are stuck in the sense of, well, I'll sing once I see it. 
You know, you know, uh, Jonathan, once we've got what you've said, then I'll sing. But no, no, God is saying to us, learn to sing before it has happened. Trust me that I'm your husband. Trust me that the one making this promise can do it. Trust me that what I've said I'll do for you in the context of Isaiah 54. I can do it. But trust me, destiny, that what I promise to you, I can do. I will do. And when we sing, here's what we're saying. We trust you. That no matter what it looks like, you can do this. That no matter what our resources are or aren't, you can do this. That no matter what we've got at this moment or haven't got, you can do this. Are you with me? So in the context of singing, I just want to leave three very simple ideas all around this idea of confession that hopefully will encourage us on, on, on the next 15 years as we go forward. Who knows what it'll look like in the next five years or 10 years or 15 years if Jesus hasn't returned. But as a Christian community, we, we can't just think about the moment. We have to think about the future. Come on. Come on now, it's better than that. We've got to think about the future. That's part of our call. That's what's happening here to this woman. She is being encouraged. Think about the future. Plan for the future. Don't just live for the day, but think of the day that is also coming. And in fact, I, my attitude is this. The more we think about tomorrow, the better we'll live today. If I really am taking tomorrow seriously, I'll take today seriously. Come on now. If I don't think tomorrow's going to happen or tomorrow's important, then I just squander today or waste today or live today for myself. But if I think the tomorrow that is coming is bigger than the moment I'm in now, then I am investing into today. I'm putting stuff into today that helps me be positioned for whatever tomorrow God has for me. You with me? So, so what does singing do? Well, here's the first thing really quickly. Singing brings our faith into the facts. All right? Singing, when I sing God's song, here's what I'm doing. I'm bringing my faith into the facts. Now, look, look at the language. It says, sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Now, it's brutal, that. I, if you slow that right down, it's quite brutal. There's, there's a, a very strong paradox here. God's telling her to sing, which is a an issue of joy and life and love and laughter. And, and in the same sentence where he tells her to sing, he lets the whole world know that she's barren and she's never born a child. Now, some of you will know that in Bible culture, the culture in which the Bible was written, barrenness was seen in, in a man and a woman as a terrible thing. It was almost seen as a curse from God. All right? So, But, but I want you to notice this. God doesn't run from the facts. He doesn't just say sing. He says, sing, barren woman. Now, I love this about faith. Real faith, real faith faces facts. When it comes to money, real faith knows how much it's going to cost. And then makes a decision. When it comes to life and investing yourself, real faith understands there are some facts here. And actually, the Bible says of one of the great pioneers of faith, a man called Abraham, it says that Abraham faced the facts. 
but what? That his body was as good as dead. Yet it says this, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. I love that verse. I love that tension. Abraham looked at himself in the mirror and said, this is never going to happen. On a human, physical level, this is over. I am old, my wife is old, and even when she was young, she was barren. This is never going to happen. So Abraham doesn't run away from the facts. He looks at the facts and he says, my goodness, my body is dead, but God. But God. But God. God is able to do it. And, and, and that's where the singing comes in, you see. That, that the singing, that, that confession, brings my faith into facts that say this is never going to happen. So 15 years into the journey, we can go, is this ever going to be fulfilled? Well, if God has said it, we're saying, yes, it will be fulfilled. We believe that from biblical evidence. We believe that from a weekend like the resurrection. Because the facts said it's over. When the spear went into Jesus' side and blood and water came out, it's over. But God's promise said he will rise from the dead. Come on now. So the facts are saying he's dead, but the promise is saying he will come to life. The facts say we don't have the resource. The promise is saying God is able to, to meet our need. The facts are saying we're barren. God is saying I'm your husband. The facts are saying this is impossible. God is saying keep singing because I'm able to do it. And it's not, it's not weird sort of, you know, pie in the sky. It's not just fluffy uh, uh, sort of super spiritual nonsense. This singing is based on real faith. This singing is based on the fact that God has said this, and even though the facts look like it won't happen, because God has said it, I sing it. Come on. Parents in this room, keep singing over your children. Come on. God's made a promise for your children. Keep singing over them. Well, it, John, it looks like they're off the rails. Yes, I know. I, I understand. Don't, we, we're not ignoring the facts. We, we, we know this journey. But keep singing the promises of God over their life. I do it every day when I feel like it or not. Come on, keep singing. It looks like it's dead. Jesus looked like he was dead, and he was dead, and yet God raised him from the dead. Abraham couldn't have children, and yet you, me, were children of Abraham. Come on. There are billions of his children now all over the world, and yet it looked impossible. Now, now that's what true singing does. We're not talking about weird singing. We're not talking about too much cheese on a Saturday night singing. We're talking about hearing what God said, sing it, even though the facts say impossible. And I'm sure people would look at that woman and say, you're bonkers. Why are you singing? You've no kids. Why are you extending your tent? You've no kids. And she would say, because God, my husband, said, this is going to happen. And therefore, I'm going to sing it. There's a very, very fine line between the song of faith and weird. Like there is, honestly. And I've been raised a Pentecostal, so I know all about weird, right? So, so like we invented weird. So, so weird, 
Uh, Pentes are famous for weird. And there's a very fine line between what's weird and what's wonderful. But the finest of that line is the Word of God. If God has said it, my song is wonderful. If God hasn't said it, I'm weird. Come on now. So sing what God has said. Are you with me? But we don't have to ignore the facts. Here's the second thing about the song. The song, her song, brought expectation into experience. Now note this. Look at, this, look at the language again of the text really carefully. He says, God says, secondly, he says, burst into song, shout for joy. An even stronger expression than the singing expression. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Now note this. God is asking her to embrace something for which she has no experience. He's asking her to go somewhere she's never gone before. And he's asking her to embrace it. You know, experience can be a good thing and a bad thing, can't it? When you've got an experience of something, it can be good in that you've got a terms of reference to go back to to help you negotiate uh, an event. So something goes wrong, something happens in your life, and you go, oh yeah, I've, I've done that before, uh, I know how to fix that, because that's happened, and you go back to the experience you've gained. But then there are some moments in life where my previous experience of that is not helping me in this situation. It demands new experience. And here's my problem as a Christian and as a human, really, as a human more than a Christian. As a human, I'm always trying to keep God in the realm of my experience. Because that's comfortable. I know where we're going. Are you with me? So when, when I'm driving up here to Stockton on Tees, although I, I punched the, the, the coordinates into the sat-nav, I'm not really worried about the journey because I've been here so many times. I can sort of do that. If the sat-nav went off, I think I could probably find my way. Are you with me? But that's a completely different experience when I go somewhere brand new for the first time. I'm a bit nervous because I've never been there before. Therefore, I can't go back to my memory bank to help me with this. So now suddenly, I can't rely on John Andrews' expertise. I've got to put my trust in my gorgeous sat-nav and hope that the directions are good. Are you with me? And that's always a bit nerve-wracking. Humans don't like that. Humans like to know where they're going before they go there. Humans like to know all the details. And here's God saying to this woman, I want you to step out of your experience. And I believe that in the days to come, God is leading D.C., into new experiences. Now, some of the things we've done will prepare us for that, but there will be moments where God is leading us into stuff that we have no data bank for, we have no file on. God's leading us into a new experience, and that's when we've got to sing, because we've got to believe God's in this. God's going to do this. It's not what we expected. It's not what we thought. It's looking a bit different than we thought it would look, but we know God is still in this. Had Abraham gone on experience, he would never have left home. Had David gone on experience, Goliath would have won. Had Mary gone on experience, Jesus would never have been born. 
Had Peter gone on experience, he would never have walked on the water. And had this woman gone on experience, she would never have extended her tent. Come on now. And the resurrection teaches us something that actually had never happened before. Not, not in this way, not in this sense. Other people had been raised from the dead, but the idea that God in flesh would die and God in flesh would rise from the dead, a whole new, brand new experience. Taking humanity to somewhere they had never been before. And there are moments in the next few years where God's going to take us. I'm fairly certain that where you are now isn't exactly where Jonathan and Cass thought you would be. Because when God speaks, we tend to try and work out what it'll look like. And then you get there and you go, that's a bit different. But different isn't bad if God is the orchestrator of different. Come on, are you with me? Here's the last idea, and then we're going to pray really quickly. The third element of her song is this. Sing, when she sang, she was singing then into now. She was singing what would be into what was. Now, we'll have to be careful with this. This, this can sound really strange and really weird, but if God's in it, it's not strange or weird. Look at God's language to the woman. He says, because more are the children. Did you notice that? He didn't say, more will be the children. Come on, come on, work with me. Stay with me now. A few more minutes and then you're done. You can go and have Easter Sunday. Stay a few more minutes. More are, not more will be. Look at this, a powerful spiritual principle. He says, more are the children of the desolate woman. John, what are you going on about? Well, one of the things that God calls himself when he meets a man called Moses, Moses is grappling for a name. And God describes himself this way. He says, I am that I am. <laughs> what does that mean? What God is really saying, I always was. I am right now and I'll always be. That Moses, me and you are talking in a moment of time, but I've already been here a long time ago. This is your moment, but I've already been here. I've been to the future and I've come back. And actually, though Moses can only see what God's saying in that moment, God is already into the future. God is already there. He's not traveling on a line of time. He's living in a realm of eternity. So when he speaks, his word comes to me at a moment of time, but that word lives in an eternal realm. It lives in something much, much bigger than me. I'm hearing it on Sunday in April. He spoke it in eternity. I'm seeing it in a moment of time. He's already seen it fulfilled. I'm seeing the beginning of the word. He's spoken it because the word he's speaking is already finished. Jesus died on the cross. The Bible declares that he had already died before the foundations of the world were laid. What? what? What does that mean? It means that God lives in a realm that's way above our brain capacity. We, we can't even begin to imagine what that looks like. We've just got to come to a place of trust that when this God speaks, He's not just speaking this Sunday. He's speaking into something He's already been to in the future. He's already there. 
It's already finished. It's already accomplished. So when he called Kath and John from Scotland to come to, to Stockton, he was already on this celebration Sunday. He was already here. And he was already in the next celebration Sunday. He's already there. And here's what he's doing. He's saying to John and Kath, come with me. This is your moment now, but listen, if you will grab this moment, there's a journey I want to take you on. There's stuff I've already done for you, but I need you to sing right now. I need you to extend your tent right now. I need you to trust me that what I'm saying to you right now is not just about right now, it's about the future. It's about where you are going. That's hard for humans, because if we don't see it, we don't feel it, we can't touch it, we can't get a response from it, we can't get instant gratification from it, we are backing off it. And God is speaking to a woman here, and he says, I'm say listen, listen, you, 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 you're not going to see this for a while, but you've got to trust me. Sing. Sing as if the children that I'm promising you are in your arms right now. Sing as if they're in your tent today. Sing as if it is a reality. Because God is saying, it's already a reality in my world. I've already done it. Now, I know that's hard when we're living in the grungy, messy 21st century world, struggling to pay our rent and our mortgage. And you're saying, John, come on, man. It's hard enough to get through today, never mind think about eternity. Well, I'm not asking you to think about eternity, but I'm asking you to trust the God of eternity. I'm asking that, that you and I would understand that today is not just about today. That God is asking me and you to do a couple of things today that are about tomorrow. They're about the future. They're about children not yet born. They're about humans that still don't know Jesus. They're about people today that are out there enjoying their lives and in the sunshine and doing whatever and going to the football who will one day be part of this amazing story. And God is doing things in us today for them, not just for us. When Jesus met his disciples on the road, it says he opened up the Bible and he showed them from the scriptures, from the Old Testament, that he had to die and rise from the dead. That actually what was happening to them right now in that resurrection weekend shouldn't have been a shock because it was all predicted. It's all there. God's already spoken about it. And when God speaks to me and you today, it's, not, it's never just about today. That's much too small. It's about the glory of where he wants to take us. And great ventures have been lost because in the gap between God speaking and the moment where he fulfilled it, we stopped singing. We stopped extending. We stopped. Life just got tough and hard and nasty. We just give up. But the Lord is saying to the barren woman, the Lord is saying to me and you as individuals, and the Lord is saying to this community, if you will keep singing the song that I gave you, not the song you've made up, but the song I gave you. It looks a bit weird to the outsider, but it's sweet music to the heart of God. If you will sing that song that God says to us, the husband, he says to us, I will fulfill what I have promised you. I will do it. Because when I spoke it, it was already done. Amen. Are you with me? Why don't you stand with me and let me pray for you. You've been amazingly patient and lovely and kind. 
And I recognize there may be some guests in the room, and maybe some of the things I've said have made no sense whatsoever. So please forgive me for that. This has been a weekend of celebration specifically for this church. So some of the things I've brought this weekend have been really directed to the church. So if you're a guest and you felt slightly excluded from that, I'm so sorry. That wasn't the intention. But I hope you've caught the heart of it, the spirit of it. That even if you're not a follower of Jesus today, even if you're a guest and you've come here today, there is a God in heaven who has a bigger plan for you than you can possibly imagine. That the resurrection of Jesus wasn't just about Jesus rising from the dead and part of his story. The resurrection of Jesus is our story. The resurrection of Jesus is a human story, a story where God wants to redeem humanity and lift them out of its brokenness and give humanity a hope and a future. And so what happened that day, 2,000 years ago, is an eternal reality. It's not a story or a myth or an idea. It's an eternal reality that we live in today. And even though me and you get stuck in the grime and the glory and the gunge and the ordinariness of an everyday moment, there is a God in heaven who's not only in that moment, but he's trying to lift us above that moment so that we can see something greater even in our own lives, even in the lives of our children, if that's relevant, even in the lives that we are making a journey for. We've looked at Almas today. We've looked at Adele today. and we, We've just looked at a snapshot of their life today. But God has seen their future. God is in their future. God is in the end of their life as well as the, the beginning of their life. God has a plan and a purpose that is beyond the moment that we've just witnessed. That's the glory of the resurrection. But I want to speak to DC as I pray now, right now. God has made promises that still haven't quite been fulfilled. His word is flawless and it will come to pass. His word never returns to him empty. His word will always accomplish what he sent it to do. But the Lord is looking for hearts and for a house that will sing the song of his promises, that will make a confession of life over the yet unfulfilled promises. Fifteen years we've celebrated. A moment we can look back and say, God has been so good. But as we sing, we look forward to the goodness of God that will be manifest in front of us, to the, to the expansion to the right and to the left, to the dispossession of cities for the glory of God, to God doing something even more than we could see right now at this moment. And so I want to encourage you as a community of believers, lift up the word of the Lord, sing the word of the Lord, confess the word of the Lord, engage with the word of the Lord, hold on to the word of the Lord, dust down the word of the Lord and remind yourself of what God has said so that God can fulfill in us what he wants to do. Lord, I thank you for the word you've spoken over this church. Word that will not return till it's finished. An eternal word, not spoken by a man or spoken by a woman, or spoken in a moment of emotion, but a word spoken out of the voice of God. 
a word spoken by the great I am, a word spoken by Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and last, A and Z. And Lord, we remind ourselves, we grab on to your word once again. We hold on to that word. We sing that word. We confess that word. We believe that what you've started, you will finish. We believe that once you, what you have given us, you will complete. We believe, oh God, that the word we received in a moment of time is actually a moment, a word of eternity. And so, Lord, I pray that out of this church will come such confidence in the word of the Lord, that though we've celebrated the last 15 years, there will be a renewed confidence in the next 15 years, a renewed confidence that the eternal God is our refuge and the word that he has spoken he will bring to pass so lord like this woman help us to sing help us to confess help us to face the facts with faith help us lord jesus to bring our expectations uh, uh, into and above even our experience help us lord to see what will be right now right now before our very eyes. Help us to see it before we see it. Help us to know it before it happens. Help us to live in the reality of your word before it physically comes to pass before us. So Lord, I pray that the power of the resurrected Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, will live and empower, uh, live in us and empower each one of us. In Jesus' name.